0: To the sixth episode in an old season of Amazing Race recaps from reality TV warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who operates on a first come, first rule policy. Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the lady who just screams at people, and they tend to respond really, really well. Michelle Denovan.
1: <laughs> Good morning.
0: This one is just such a beautiful introduction for you, especially <laughs> after you pretty much just screaming stupid at people last week. <laughs> Mainly flat. <flow.
1: laughs> Oh, God, yes. Correct.
0: And this episode, after last week me saying that that episode was probably the episode you think of when you think of this season, this one is another ridiculously good episode in terms of iconic moments of the season.
2: Yeah.
0: You have two of the really big moments of the season in this episode.
2: Yeah, we have, I think it's the first time where a team gets arrested on the Amazing Race, and the optics of it aren't the best, especially when you look at it from a perspective 19 years later.
0: Yeah, and also the other iconic moment that I am referring to is the one time all season that Flo will do a roadblock.
2: Yeah, and it's, as I said before, an early Amazing Race, I don't think Amazing Race was focused on making tasks all that difficult. I mean... Tasks aren't really too difficult now, but especially back then, all of the focus was on the journey rather than the roadblocks or the detours that they did. They didn't care if it took teams two seconds to do a roadblock or, you know, 10 minutes. Of course, that's going to shift very quickly over the next few seasons, and we're going to get to how we know it is today. But here it's still very, very much focused on the adventure aspect.
0: Yeah, you would never see a task in any season of more modern Amazing Race that is just sell five bowls of this local produce?
2: I was thinking if it was by today's standard or if it was Amazing Race Canada...
0: It'd be 50 easily.
2: Well, yeah, it could be 50. I mean, that looked like a pretty busy market, but especially how quickly the table's filled, I was thinking it would be at least 15 probably.
0: Each person had to set out, I would say, at least 10 seats.
2: Yeah, and you only needed to sell five bulls.
0: Yeah, you definitely see a requirement that was sort of 40-50, I reckon, for that roadblock in a season of Amazing Race that was in the 30s, rather than in single digits.
2: Yeah. I know we're jumping ahead a bit there, but that's something that really jumped out. I know we've talked about before with the past year roadblocks and detours, but that one is like, man, just five bulls, and each bull only costs locals... 47 cents or five ray durhams that's not much you just have to convince people to buy two dollars and fifty cents less than two dollars and fifty cents worth of cargo.
0: let's start the episode proper and then we can probably discuss that in a bit so previously eight teams hung out in portugal before driving themselves all the way through spain to morocco andre and damon bought their way into an alliance Half the teams put the wrong fuel in their cars and left themselves stranded, but Ian used his skills to not lose much time and to keep him and Terry in the race. Ken and Gerard won their third leg in five, but it was Michael and Kathy who were left behind and eliminated from the race. Did you notice the error in Phil's previous on? Huh. No. Phil said in his very first line in the previous on that teams drove themselves to Cabo de Roca. They did not. They got public transport there or hired a taxi.
1: Ah. Uh. Mm.
0: They only drove last leg after Cabo de Roca. Interesting. Well,
2: somebody clearly was careless about it in the editing room.
0: <laughs> I'm very surprised you didn't actually pick up on that in uh Tastorian. it's the sort of thing where you go, no, Philip, you are wrong.
2: To be honest, this previously on segment I wasn't paying super close attention to.
0: The other important bit of his previously on segment is the fact that he continues his running joke of... Oh god, aren't Terry and Ian so old and useless, guys? They're the oldest team ever to reach leg like six. Aren't they such a brilliant example to everyone?
2: Yeah, it's like, I think this is the fourth episode, if not the fifth episode in a row, where he said, well, Terry and Ian still survive despite being really old.
0: <laughs> he is genuinely obsessed with them being old. To so much so,
2: and they're not old. Just imagine what would have happened if there was an all female team who actually went far in the season.
0: <laughs> Can I point out, when they filmed this race, Terry was 49. Oh,
1: no way. They're treating them like they're 60.
0: Yeah, Ian was 50, Terry was 49. God. <laughs>
2: And we did get, uh, if, if Phil was at least telling the truth in the rest of the previously on segment, all four teams did break down in Spain.
0: Which we'd kind of assumed, because that's the vast majority of the drive that they would have had to take. They probably yeah. only did like 50 or 100 of the, about 600 kilometers of that drive in in Portugal.
2: Yeah, I've, I've, taken, I've taken a bus from Lisbon to Sevilla, and they had to go through Sevilla to get to Algeciras, so... Yeah, I'd say probably a couple of hours, and then, boom, they would be across the border.
0: Yeah. Terry Neen's average age when they were racing this season was 49 and a half. For Christ's
2: sake. Phil. To be
0: fair, though, you don't
2: see any, you see very, very few racers in general hit that mark for for their age, let alone a, let alone a team average.
1: Hmm.
0: So, once teams depart, as they do, Ken and Gerard departing at 4.31am, Andre and Damon at 4.37, Derek and Drew at 4.44, then Flo and Zach and John Vito and Jill at 5.24, Terry and Ian at 5.28, and Aaron and Ariane at 7.04, they have to drive themselves to the Hassan II Mosque in Casablanca, where they will find their next clue. They have $50 for this leg of the race, and it is the second largest religious monument in the world, only after Mecca.
2: I forgot just how many different towns are utilized in Morocco this season because we, we get Tangier for the Clue and then the the bus, the bus charter buses. And then we get Fez, I say good day, uh, for the roadblock and pit stop. And then we get just Casablanca only has this one clue for the mosque. And then the rest of it is in Mar- Marrakesh, although you could say the detour it's probably just a little bit outside of Marrakech.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've just quickly Googled this, and of the four largest cities in Morocco, they visited all four of them.
2: Oh, Robots not even won the top four?
0: No, we're about seventh oh. in terms of population.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: It's, uh, it's Casablanca with just over 3.3 3 million, then Fez with just over 1.1, 1. 1, Tangier with 947,000, and then Marrakech with 928,000. Interesting. And then we get a reminder of the Brotherhood Alliance, with Derek and Drew saying that Ken and Gerard are well-traveled and resourceful, so they're the sort of people they need to stick along with. I like how it's just
2: multiple to others. It's a three-team alliance, and then two of the three teams say, yeah, we're just following Ken and Gerard because they know how to use a map and can drive everywhere quite efficiently.
0: (laughs) This is what I mean after what I said last week. Ken and Gerard, at this point in the season at least, are the team to beat. Because they have the best average of the season by quite some margin, I suspect. And also, they are really good when it comes to the self-drive portions of these legs. And every leg so far has had at least one self-drive portion.
2: Yeah, you can see why they get away from older teams in later seasons, because now they don't do any self-drive, and I don't think Ken and Gerrard would make it that far into a modern Amazing Race season.
0: I think by their own admission, they wouldn't.
2: I mean, they've finished some of the tasks surprisingly quickly, but in terms of always taking taxis and getting like one self-drive leg for the season when that's clearly been their biggest strength, yeah, I don't think they would make a deep run.
0: No, sadly.
2: Yeah, so it's always yeah, Mason Race is just super biased now towards the young, the really young couples now.
0: Yeah, the really young ones who just take a taxi everywhere and don't do anything for themselves. They stop being so self-reliant and become a glorified tiki doll, yeah as i've said a couple of times
2: and then i like how when ken Charlie leave the pit stop shard's like oh we're hanging a Casablanca. god knows how long that drive will be i'm thinking yeah i'm guess based on the previous uh, self-drive portions of the of the first five legs it could be anywhere from two hours to ten hours they don't know
0: i think when we googled it last week it was four and a half hours
2: Oh, from Tangier to, or from Fez to Casablanca.
0: Yeah, from Fez to Casablanca was uh, four hours.
2: Yeah, I forgot. It's like you're going from the eastern side of Morocco straight west.
0: I think there are harder drives in Morocco for them to do because, as Ian says, a little bit later in the leg, they just go to Rabat and then there's a super highway from there. Yeah, a super highway,
2: <laughs> as opposed to a regular highway.
0: And after I mentioned it last week as well, they have now removed Team Nine One One from the lower third of Andre and Damon, which just makes me look a moron.
1: Why? But someone called them Team Nine One One this week.
0: Yeah, there's there's like three or four instances of people calling them Team Nine One One this week.
2: They call themselves Team Nine One One.
0: Yeah. Like half of the teams left in this leg call them Team Nine One One at some point. And then it just disappears from their lower third. They don't have it in the lower third at all. It's back to Feynman and Carp. Well, that's weird. Why'd they do that? I don't know.
2: I like how reliant like Derek and Drew and Under and Damon are on Ken and Gerard's sense of direction because uh Derek and Drew when they're in that caravan after they've hired the taxi, Derek and Drew are like, Well, we can't lose Ken and Gerard because we gave our maps to them. And then we cut to Ken saying, Yeah, no way can no way can Team nine one one read a map. No one can read a map as well as Gerard can. So it's just everyone following Gerard's sense of direction to get all the way to Casablanca.
0: It's crazy. And we get another team, which is Flo and Zach and John, Vito and Jill. Obviously, they depart together, so, you know, it kind of makes sense. And then we get a fight from Terry and Ian over the directions. Apparently, Ian should have thought about the return journey the day before when they were driving into the Borg Nord. I just love them sniping at each other. It makes me laugh so much.
2: (laughs) I just handed you the map, Terry. Well, you should have planned both ways. We talked about it last night. Please don't berate me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does make me laugh when they check in at the pit stop and Phil's like, what's the secret to your success? And they just go, we fight a lot but we hate everyone else far more than we hate each other. And that just works. We also get a
2: Jonathan Baker preview, because I believe Terry's exact words were, when we shove, we shove together.
0: Yeah, when push comes to shove, we shove together.
2: Like, wow, you just gave Jonathan Baker way too many ideas.
0: Jonathan's just sat at home watching this season going, shoving people, that's a good idea.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's like, has a notebook out. Physically abuse your partner. Okay. Episode seven.
0: That's my number one amazing race rule. Physical violence towards those around you. (laughs) That's going to be a borderline joke, whether we can keep that in.
1: (laughs) Yes. Mm. Yeah. Can't have that.
2: You just see somebody watching Jonathan Baker take these notes when he's binge-watching prior to season six, and then there's just a guy going, he really took that out of context. That's not what they meant. They didn't mean that literally, Jonathan.
0: So poor John Vito and Jill, after we discussed about replacement cars last week, their cast out, smoking, and they're essentially left behind by Flo and Zack, and they do end up getting a replacement car, but no time credit as a result. Thanks, Blake and Paige. And Flo says that Terry and Ian have a horrible sense of direction, so they are not following them.
2: It was funny because when Flo and Zach checked out of the pit stop, Flo is actually going a different way than Zach. And Zach's like, no, no, over here, Flo. Then Flo has to reroute herself.
0: I know we've said this a few times, but there's so much brilliant editing foreshadowing with this sort of stuff. Like setting up the Flo and Zach and Terry and Ian rivalry that may come back later. I mean, there's a brilliant Andre and Damon one later in this episode, right before they're about to get arrested. They say they don't like using taxis because they could be going the completely wrong way and end up in a wrong bit of town. (laughs) It's like, "Mm, yeah, that's your future. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they've sort of dialed down the Flo and Drew references, which are going to come back and come back fighting fairly soon.
2: Yeah, very soon, actually, that storyline is going to begin.
0: But the, the illusions were there earlier in the season in terms of the fact that Flo just really wants those those twins out and that Drew really is open to finding someone on the race. I wonder what's going to happen there.
2: Yeah. And then what's funny when they both check out that Pit Stop is with Flo and Zach and John Vito and Jill, how they talk about being aligned. And Flo, it's Flo who says, yeah, John Vito and Jill are really honest. And then John Vito and Jill say, yeah, we really like being around Flo and Zach. We work really well together. Then, as soon as John Vito and Jill drop off when their radiator blows, Flo and Sack don't stop. they just keep going and John Vito and Jill say, "Um, we kind of expected Flo and Sack to stick with us, but I guess not.
0: That kind of
2: dicks.
0: <laughs>
2: it's like they're really competitive.
0: Never saw that one coming, and Aaron says that they don't really speak French, but they just shout at people, and they tend to respond really, really well.
1: Yeah, what is that?" <laughs>
0: Merci beaucoup. I know that this is an early season and obviously no is doing any prep. but take a leaf out of James Wallington's book and learn basic phrases in the largest languages in the world. French is not a rarely spoken language in the world.
2: And that's going to get you by in most of Western Europe and West Africa.
0: Yeah. Like, France colonized a lot of the world. At least learn some basic phrases.
2: One thing that I forgot about this episode is Aaron and Ariane do not start that far behind the other teams.
0: No, it's a two and a half hour spread.
2: Yeah, and they're only 90, they're barely 90 minutes behind Flo and Zach, John Vito and Jill, and Terry and Ian. And then John Vito and Jill lose an hour because of the radiator blowing. So that means that Aaron and Ariane would have barely been half an hour behind them. So, that's one thing. It's this episode, I'm very surprised ends out in a blowout, because I'm thinking Aaron and Arian must have lost a lot of ground somewhere. The train. Yeah, I'm thinking it had to be the train where they don't reveal what time their train left to get to Marrakesh. Because, I mean, it was drastically different time of day when they're doing the roadblock, and when they're doing various things throughout the episode. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, they weren't just half an hour behind. John, Vito, and Jill must have been, like, two, three, four hours.
0: Yeah. The first train departed two hours before the second one.
2: Yeah, so it makes you think, did the third train then depart two hours behind them? Yeah, I think think it probably did.
0: Yeah. At
2: least. But then there was that mass equaliser at the cafe, so you think that had to cut down on the, well, I guess it'd still be two hours then, because Andre and Damon and, and Kendra and Derek and Drew had to wait two hours for the cafe to open. But the fact that it wasn't even that close, even with Andre and Damon being detained later this episode, it makes you think maybe they were not only two hours behind by train, or maybe the train was a longer break that time, but they also lost time on the getting to the detour or navigating somewhere by taxi, too.
0: So the train from Casablanca to Marrakesh is about two and a half hours. Okay. So it's two and a half hours for the train. They won't have departed till about ten past one because of the train times, ish. So that then makes it what twenty to four at the earliest that they would have got to Marrakesh.
2: So they would have had an hour to try and well, they made the mistake of going for the fast forward. They say it only costs them five minutes, but as someone who's done, oh, well, you guys have too. I can't think of any time where you take a where you go to a wrong location or stop for stop for a snack or something. You always lose at least 10 minutes, no matter what, just by going somewhere else. So I'm thinking, sure, it takes five minutes to get to the carpet shop, but the fact that they are taking that extra unnecessary route and then have to retrace their steps, I'm going to guess they probably lost 15 to 20 minutes easily by going to the carpet shop.
1: Oh, definitely.
2: Because there's no way it's just five minutes. I'm thinking, there's. I've never had a stop where you pull over to get a snack or something that would be just a total loss of five minutes. <laughs>
1: Um, When they're talking about the fast forward and Flo says to Zach to let her talk about it, I'm thinking you've got to actually have a plan of what you're going to say because what if suddenly, you know, someone says, oh, let's go to the toilet and then he's got nothing to say and it comes up when she's not there. Like why does Flo just want to be the only person
2: It'd be funny if just like if that's the plan. So then, when somebody goes up to Zach, he just stays silent and just stares blankly at them yes. the whole time. Like
1: I can't talk to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey Zach, Zach hey hey, hey Vito, what's up? Are are you guy? Are you and Flo going for the fast forward? Uh, Maybe.
1: Uh, <laughs> I've been told not to talk to you.
2: I play the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't talk about this, Flo. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stupid. <laughs> oh my god.
2: I like when they do the drive to uh, Casablanca. How Flo and Zach and Terry and pass each other about five times during this drive, and when they are at the toll booth at the same time, where Flo looks over and says, "Of course, it's them. He has the hat on. You can't, you can't mistake anybody else for that hat." <laughs> so like how ian's or ian's hat has already become legendary by the sixth leg it's like where's waldo just find the guy with the hat and boom you found ian and then when terry and ian are arguing on the super highway where terry says you missed another exit we could have gotten off there and then ian says ian says no you're making a mistake getting off the highway just chill don't tell me to chill out again (laughs) <laughs> and then because terry is so adamant about getting off the highway ian just jumps in and says i'm going to follow your direction i think it's a mistake but if you're so sure we're going to follow your direction and the outcome is your responsibility and then terry just gets frustrated and says okay we won't get off the highway then <laughs> we'll stick to what you think scared for the backlash
0: I have a feeling with Aaron and Arianne being so behind that they probably lost more time on the train journey somehow, because the Palmarie, where the detour is, is only 14 minutes away from the train station, apparently.
2: So maybe instead of it being two hours for Aaron and Arianne's train, it could have easily been maybe three hours until there?
0: Yeah, yeah, because they would have got into the train station at about 20 to 4, and then say it was 15, 20 minutes from there, they at the detail for four o'clock, and then they definitely don't get to the uh, to Glacier Cafe for four forty-five. So they must have lost another hour on that train easily.
2: Just yeah, it probably was like four maybe or even four hours later it departed.
0: Yeah, because these these episodes filmed in the height of summer as well, and they checked in after sunset and did the roadblock after sunset. So it probably was about ten o'clock that they checked in. They were very late.
2: Yeah, much later than a team that was. That, you know, started of the slag just 90 minutes behind most teams.
0: Yeah, I think they knew they were screwed. So once teams get to the mosque, they find out that they now have to travel by train to Marrakesh and take a taxi to the Palmarie, where they will find their next clue. And having googled it, the Palmarie is actually now a Club Med hotel. Wow. It's Club Med Marrakesh La Palmarie.
2: What's funny is that Ken and Gerard have to educate Andre and Damon and Derek and Drew about mosque etiquette and saying, you can't run, you can't run when you're in a mosque. Thinking, man, imagine if that actually happened, though, if you just see Andre and Damon and Derek and Drew just sprint at full
0: speed to the clue box inside a mosque. They would have definitely got detained.
2: Hmm. Got arrested twice in the same leg. We're never going to Morocco again, guys.
0: We also get a bit of nice foreshadowing from Ian, who asks Terry if the fast-forward was in the first clue. There wasn't a fast-forward in that clue, it is instead in the moss clue. And when Terry and Ian appear, Flo tries to hire the cab that they'd used, and it turns into a bit of a shouting match in front of the second-largest religious site in the world.
2: Between the three people who are already prone to shouting. (laughs) I like how Zach has nothing to do with this argument. It's just Flo and Terry and Ian just yelling at each other. Flo says, you guys don't need to yell. That's really rude to yell. He's not my dad. I'm thinking, what? Yeah, that's true, Flo. Yelling is really rude. I can't believe someone would yell at another team, let alone their own partner. No. And then Ian and Terry, when they... Because Ian and Terry argue over keeping, keeping the cab. Ian wants to keep the cab and wants him to wait to take them to the next route marker, potentially. And then Ian says, when I make a decision, that's it. And then Terry has to say, we're a team, Ian. We're a team.
0: <laughs> and also, just last week or the week before, he did say that she was the co-pilot and the navigator.
2: Yeah, when I fly, we need to fly.
0: <laughs> so the fast forward is searching through a carpet shop in Marrakesh for the one of over 100 rugs that has the fast forward symbol woven into it. And Flo wants to take it. Zach wants to keep it in their back pocket. John Vito and Jill also express a wish to take the fast forward, because they're at the back of the pack, as do Aaron and Ariane, and Terry and Ian. Aaron and Ariane are the only team left behind in Casablanca, as they miss the 11.10am train. And then, when teams get to the Palmarie, they find out it is a particularly infamous detour. Now you see it, or now you don't. In Now You See It, teams have to choose a pair of horses, and ride to the route marker which they can see from the start point, where they can dig up their next clue, written on a piece of pottery. In Now You Don't, teams have to use Sandbike and head down a track of unknown length, where they will find their next clue in a place they can't see from the start point, and make a rubbing of it, first come, first rub. Which one would you guys have picked?
1: I was thinking that, they so much, they're so similar.
0: I think in early season of Amazing Race, if you can do something fun, you do something fun. Yeah, I suppose. It's always the more fun detail choice. In early seasons of Amazing Race, if you can do something fun, then you do something fun. Maybe not bungee jumping, maybe not skydiving, both of which will be details this season. But something like going on an ATV or riding a horse, I know which one I'd pick. Which one? I'd pick the ATV easily. Because you also don't have to search in the desert for a buried clue.
2: Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, yeah, that's the other thing with the earlier seasons too, is that the easier task will always be the one that's more fun. They want to encourage teams to choose a certain part of the detour.
0: It's the emphasis on the adventure. Like, there's way more adventuring in going down an unknown length dirt track on ATVs than riding a horse maybe a couple of hundred feet.
2: Yeah, although Ken riding that horse will be always a
0: hilarious visual to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think I might be too fat for this horse. (laughs) So Derek and Drew and Andre and Damon both go wrong down the paths but they then find the now you don't clue in first and teams must now find someone to translate their clue from Arabic, leading them to the roof of Café Glacier where they will find their next clue. Hours of operation for this are 4.45pm to midnight.
2: What was funny is that Derek and Drew and Andre and Damon got so lost and eventually run in together and then they're like um, should we just follow each other and find the clue as as two teams together? I'm thinking... Come on, guys. The one time that Ken and Gerard choose to do something different from you guys, and you guys have no idea what to do.
0: The best thing is, I don't think Ken and Gerard are pissed off with them by the time that they all meet up again. I think Ken and Gerard are just like, you guys are idiots, but we still love you. (laughs) Whereas if, if Andre and Damon had been left behind, or if Derek and Drew had been left behind, I think those guys would have been way more pissed off at the other two teams than Ken and Gerard ended up being here. It certainly doesn't come across that Ken and Gerard are pissed off with them.
2: No, not at all. I'm wondering, did Andre and Damon also pay money to them this leg to keep following them?
0: I don't know, because Phil's wording in the previous one was weird. It sounded like the 30 euros just became an entrance fee. But then, like, five minutes into the episode, Ken and Gerard and Derek and Drew were just like, oh, they're going to tag along no matter what, aren't they? Whatever. I guess that's the final three. (laughs) Can you imagine, though, if that stayed intact until
2: final three and Andre and Damon win the final leg? It's like, oh, we set the template.
0: <laughs> so Ken and Drab do switch from the horses to Now You Don't, and they then leave in third.
2: Dig, Fido, dig.
0: It is a brilliant visual of them just hurling up sand to try and find this piece of pottery, but you don't do a task where you're in the middle of the desert digging for stuff, unless you absolutely have to. I
2: found a, I found a rock. It's a beautiful rock. <laughs>
0: So Flo and Jill both want to do the fast-forward and beat Terry and Ian to it. They Rochambeau and Jill wins with Scissors. And Jill then gets a choice of whether they go for it or Flo and Zach do, and they choose to go for it.
1: No. Just no. You don't do that. You either want to be in control of your destiny, you don't don't do rock-paper-scissors. I'm just... I'm flabbergasted.
2: I think what makes it funnier is that the, just how much time they waste before one of the teams decides to go for it. Because Terry need to jump into a cab right away. Yeah. And then John Vito and Jill and Flo and Zach, they, they talk about it and they're like, okay, where are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? Okay, we'll do rock, paper, scissors. And then John Vito and Jill need a moment to decide if they're going to go for it or not. They're like, okay, we'll go for it. And I'm thinking, you guys easily lost a good... I'm probably close to five minutes trying to figure out which one of you is going to take it while Terry and I have been in the cab the whole time and get yeah. a good head start in the carpet shop.
0: The important context here is they've just been on a two and a half hour train ride and they did not decide this between them on the two and a half hour train ride.
2: Yeah. Well, well they kept asking They kept asking Zach while, while Flo was in another cart and then Zach just stared, uh, <laughs> stared blankly at them the whole time.
0: Ah, <laughs> good point. But yeah, they decided when they got to the train station at the end to then determine between them what was actually going to happen rather than spending the two and a half hours previously doing something productive. It's ridiculous. And instead, letting Terry and Ian essentially just win the fast forward unopposed. Oh, God.
2: But yeah, I think this might be a record, though, for the percentage of teams trying to get a fast forward because... Because Aaron and Ariane eventually go for it too. So we had four teams who were dead set on taking the fast forward this leg. Mm-hmm. And at least at, you can tell that these were the seven teams that deserve to make it this far. Because for John Vito and Jill, Terranian, and Influence Act, this was the correct play. Because you got to assume, okay, Aaron and Ariane are far behind. They're for sure going to want to go for the fast forward since they haven't taken it yet. So if they get the fast forward, that means one of us is in last place. So then it becomes, well, we don't want to be last place, so we got to we gotta take the fast forward then.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting that I think this is the last fast forward all season where more than one team goes for it. I think pretty much every fast forward for the rest of the season is completely unopposed.
2: And the other layer, layer to it too is that they know non-eliminations are coming And in a 12-team season, they probably anticipate, okay, there are seven teams left. In the first two seasons, they didn't even start doing non-eliminations until there were six teams left and it alternated. If it were to alternate this season, that means it doesn't start till five teams are left. So either take it this leg or next leg.
0: Yeah.
1: I I was thinking it's so late for non-eliminations.
0: Oh, they're coming. They're coming soon, Michelle.
1: (laughs) They're coming so close together.
0: Yeah, we have one of my favorite runs in Amazing Race of next episode is an elimination kind of by default. We will question whether that was intended on being an elimination or not. I'll warn you now. And then we have two non-eliminations, elimination, elimination, non-elimination, and then the finale.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I believe this is one of only it's one of only two seasons where the first seven legs are all eliminations in a row.
0: Yeah. All of the uh, non-eliminations this season are amazing episodes, so I love all three of them. So yeah, by the time that they've actually bothered deciding who's going to go for the fast-forward, Terry and Ian have pretty much already found the carpet, so win the fast-forward award, and tea as well.
2: Yeah, they get to uh, drink a shot of tea.
0: Hoorah.
2: Yeah, we do get another hoorah.
0: We get so many hoorahs, I wish I'd started counting them. Mm. And then Zach manages to crash sand sandbike at the detour. Flo says in a confessional that the race has been taxing, and she's not always been the nicest to Zach. It's like one long dirty date.
2: One funny thing with Terry and Ian doing the with the carpet task with Ian's like you have to wait for me, you have to wait for me before you lift up that carpet. And then uh, when they uh, when they're working on it too, when Terry lifts up the carpet, she just reels back because I think there was a bunch of sand or dust underneath when she lifts up one of the one of the pieces of carpet. Yeah, it's like, some, was there a sand shrew underneath one of those? Because it looks pretty effective, because she like covers her eyes and everything. It's like somebody like was hiding underneath and sprayed pepper spray into Terry's eyes.
0: So, unsurprisingly, Terry and Ian are the first team to check in, and they win a Kodak EasyShare digital camera, each. Which I'm sure they would love to have had, rather than, you know, a cruise that they probably live quite near the cruise port for.
2: Second out here, a couple of cameras. Get off good off our mat.
0: And interestingly, it has taken six legs so far this season for a woman to win anything. Terry is the first woman all season to actually win a leg. And they then also become the oldest team to race in leg seven. And they are asked by Phil what the secret to their success is. They say that they may fight, but when push comes to shove, they shove.
2: And I think when they drink the tea, I believe Ian says Lahayam and I just I don't know if they say that in Morocco.
0: Yes, I'm not sure you're in the right area of the world to say "Lahiam." Like
2: <laughs>
0: and then Flo and Zat leave. Now you don't, and we get another reminder of Flo's French speaking skills, which is a brilliant foreshadowing for the rest of the episode. Then Aaron and Ariana arrive and go for the fast forward. They're gonna win this leg. Spoilers: They aren't because Terry and Ian have already checked in.
2: Yeah, I like how. I also like when they when they run to the pit stop where initially. Uh, Ian's ahead of Terry and says, Terry, come, come, Terry, come here, sit, <laughs> sit, Terry. <laughs> I know. And then they, when they run up to the pit stop mat, Terry is now ahead of Ian, and Ian says, you gotta wait for me, Terry, you gotta wait. Come on, what are you doing?
0: What are you doing, Terry? Yeah, come on, that's just rude. Jesus. I can only imagine how how much anger Michelle had for this episode.
1: Not as much as the last one. No. Um, Are we up to Ken and Flo's conversation at the dirt bikes?
2: Uh, We might be. Oh, oh, and the one weird thing with the pit stop I want to mention is very, very odd camera work at that pit stop. We get extreme close-ups of Phil when he's talking to Terry and Ian, and then extreme close-ups of Terry and Ian as well. But the shot of Phil is very, very odd at this pit stop. I
1: hadn't
2: noticed. All you see is his face.
0: I think it was just weird camera angles because they don't have much space at all.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, that probably that rooftop there is, yeah, not much room to set up a camera or cameras, I should say.
1: Um, I was wondering, you know how Ken and Flo had that conversation at the dirt bikes. Would you have had that same kind of conversation if they hadn't have been mingling after each pit stop?
0: No, no, because they wouldn't have been friends.
1: Yeah, some, it, was, it was sort of a good camaraderie.
0: I believe that um, Ken and Gerard and Flo and Zach are, or Ken and Gerard and Flo at least, are very much still in contact even 19 years mm. later.
2: That's
0: Particularly Ken and, Ken
2: and Flo, who are the two people shown here.
0: They're very friendly still, I believe. Mm. So Andre and Damon arrive at Café Glacier at 2.35pm, and at 4.45pm, all the teams who are there i.e. everyone apart from Aaron and Ariane grab the roadblock clue, which is who is able to work a crowd. In this roadblock, one team member must assist a vendor in setting up his stall and then sell five bowls of escargot to get their next clue. And it is Gerard, Derek, Flo, Andre, Jill, and Aaron doing this roadblock.
2: A monkey could have done this roadblock.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is, it is one of the most basic roadblocks in terms of selling ones ever, but also the reason it is notable is because this is the only block of the entire race. This is the only roadblock that Flo will do in every leg that she races in.
2: And what's funny is that with all five teams of them together at the roadblock, she still finishes
0: last. She does, but only just.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm guessing there wasn't much spread between the five teams, but it's like, yeah, I guess that's why she only did the one roadblock. She was out of there last. She probably didn't feel too good about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This roadblock is to Flo's advantage because of her French speaking skills. She's the only one who communicates with anyone in French, which I think helps a lot.
1: When did they bring the even roadblock rule in?
2: Season six, because in season five, we're going to have three teams at the end where one person each team only did one roadblock.
1: Mm.
2: Where it was a 10 10 to one or 11 to one ratio.
0: So Andre is the first to leave the roadblock and teams will now head to the rooftop of the Riyadh Catalina, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in will be eliminated.
1: Um, We've seen this sort of scene before many times. Has it always, like in any franchise, has it always been at this place or has it been at other places around the world? You know when we see these scenes at a big, where they're selling food at these big places.
0: I mean, the selling robot that comes to mind for me is the Ghana sunglasses one in season 17.
1: So we haven't been to Marrakesh twice.
0: We have been to Marrakesh again, but I don't think they visit this market again.
1: What about the Australian one?
0: Uh, never went to Morocco. No, yeah.
1: Okay. All right, thanks.
0: Marrakesh was visited in 25 as well.
1: Like, we've seen these, like, huge market setups before, but I, I just wanted to know if it was Marrakesh or if it was must have been somewhere else in the world.
0: The Café Glacier, where the uh, roadblock clue is and where the non-participating people uh, stand, was the U-turn location in 25, in like five Okay. But other than that, no, they haven't revisited this this market square. So Jill leaves in second with Gerard in third, Derek in fourth, and Flo in fifth. And Andre and Damon do say they don't like using taxis because they could be going the completely wrong way. We'll get back to them in a couple of minutes, because Flo and Zach checking in in second, thanks to a lucky taxi driver, Ken and Gerard checking in third, and then the infamous Andre and Damon scene.
2: Yeah, this is tough to watch. Because you just, it's, it's, you feel so, even though that like Andre and Damon haven't turned too much love from the audience and the other teams in the season, it's just the fact that the taxi driver intentionally dropped them off in the middle of nowhere. And then Andre and Damon are in a place that doesn't look very safe, middle of nowhere, no, nowhere near Marrakesh, let alone the pit stop. And then they're waiting for the taxi to come back for them. But the taxi has clearly just decided to abandon them and call the police and tell, tell them where Andre and Damon are because they're trying to figure out where to go, and then, boom, they're officially detained.
0: Yeah, they are the prototype, Lucy and Amelia.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and then they were told they had to follow the, the cop to the police station, and then the cops said, please surrender your passports. And they say, no, we're not going to surrender our passports. So I'm guessing things must have really escalated right then. Because <laughs> the security crew definitely ha- must have had to intervene like right that second when Andre and Damon said, no, we're not giving you our passports because then we're def- we'll are definitely be stuck here all night.
0: <laughs> you know what's really tough to podcast about and make jokes about? Is people being detained. I mean, when it's Lucy and Amelia, because they laugh it off, it's hilarious. And you know yeah. they are still very much blacklisted from the UAE. When it's Andre and Damon, mm. not so much.
2: <laughs> well, with Lucy and Amelia, it was it was they they got themselves arrested, right? Like,
0: don't yeah. drive
2: into a government palace in a Middle Eastern country. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get arrested here. Andre and Damon, it's through no fault of their own. I mean, it's there's a strong hint that this was probably racially motivated. I would say. Like, that's the elephant in the room. I, I don't think they, because they don't directly mention the episode, but it's like, hmm, I don't think any other team would have gone through this. It's like, are you kidding me? The, the only team to get arrested from the first, you know, first however many seasons is the team of two young black men. They're the only ones to get detained and they did absolutely nothing wrong. <laughs> As opposed to Lucy and Amelia driving onto government palace grounds looking like they're going to invade.
0: <laughs> Put it this way, it's fairly telling that they don't exactly go back to Morocco very frequently after this season
2: I'm surprised they went back at all
0: Yeah, there's the Amazing Race 10 visit the Amazing Race 25 visit, the Amazing Race 30 visit that is it
2: What's funny is that the next time that teams get detained is, is actually in season 10 but it's in the Ukraine because Irwin and Godwin uh, get, they don't really pistols. get fully What's that?
0: They took fucking water pistols to an airport
2: well, yeah, that's how they started. Then, when they were in the Ukraine, they drove somewhere they weren't supposed to, and then Phil got arrested in the Ukraine and had to be. Uh, he needed somebody who was familiar with the Mason race to recognize him and get him bailed out of there.
0: The ambassador, to be more precise.
2: Yeah, the ambassador. Yeah. So yeah, it's and then they've never gone back to the Ukraine since 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 that situation. It's different when the host gets arrested, I guess, rather than the contestant. But uh, here it's like, ah, I'm surprised they actually went back to Morocco at all. I mean, you think it would probably put a bit of a sour taste in your mouth if you have to deal with a team getting arrested for, for no reason other than potentially the color of their skin. Mm.
1: Can you imagine the camera guy? Camera guy, like being dropped off, going, Jesus. When do I ring? When do I get them to come and get us?
0: <laughs> I feel like as soon as they started going to a more shady bit, that's when the camera guy would have been like, just so you're aware, make sure the security team are fairly nearby. I can feel this is not going to end well. Yeah,
2: even Andre and Damon said, this does not feel safe. Something, Something's up. Because even Andre is starting to freak out in the scene itself. He says, okay, if this isn't it, we need to get out of this area now.
0: You feel their pain, definitely, in this scene, regardless of anything else. I cannot imagine being dropped off in the middle of nowhere and just being like, it's all going to kick off. I could feel it in the air. This is not going to be a pleasant situation. What on earth do I do?
2: Yeah. And meanwhile, people are in an equally dangerous situation at the roadblock because that run through the streets to get back to your teammate seemed like a bit of a doozy.
0: Yeah, it's like Frogger in real life
2: yeah with cars, <laughs> motorcycles, vendors and snake charmers, you have to dodge snakes on the street too and musicians. And actually I never noticed this before too, but I don't know who's screaming at Jill. It's not John Vito, but you hear this faint voice saying, "Watch out for that car, Jill." So, I don't know if it was Ken's voice or if it was an actual producer saying, "Look out." Cuz it's like I didn't I couldn't figure out whose voice it was. But it's like it doesn't sound like John Vito so maybe it was actually like a producer somebody off camera saying Jill please don't get run over and killed in this market we already have one team that's arrested <laughs> mm-hmm. and I like how Flo screams after she she sells her first bowl too because it's like oh you're so excited that you actually did something at a roadblock
0: I think Flo comes across really well in this roadblock and I'm not just saying that because I know that this is the only roadblock she does But given what we saw last episode with her freaking the hell out in the detour and the fact that that was in the previously on segment and the next time trailer and in the actual episode last week, I think she comes across really well in this episode or in this bit of the episode, at least.
1: She's very happy.
0: Yeah, it's the happiest that we have seen Flo in a long while, maybe excluding when Zach gets the tow truck working. But other than that, in terms of the actual tasks and stuff, this is the happiest we've seen Flo so far. And probably the happiest that we will see Flo for a while. Hmm. So in the end, Andre and Damon do check in in 6th, and Aaron and Ariane, unsurprisingly, check in last and are eliminated from the race.
2: For a team that knew they were DOA, they had a lot of fun this leg.
0: Well, I actually looked up their bio out of interest earlier. And I wish we'd actually covered this in the first episode because I have a quote here. They agree that the most important items in their backpacks are their iPod and wristbands because, as they say, music inspires us and our style inspires others. Aaron and Ariane are fluent in both body language and the international language of love. God. And also, harking back to the premiere, given our discussion of the fact that Dennis and Andrew's uh, entire storyline was Andrew being gay, Aaron and Ariane, Dennis and Andrew and Ken and Gerard are the first three straight and gay teams to compete on the race. Or as
2: Aaron and I, I think, may have been nicknamed at the time, they were probably nicknamed Will and Grace.
0: They were indeed. And in a similar fashion to uh, to Scott and Brooke, because it was on NBC, they could not call them Team Will and Grace, but they were called Will and Grace at the time.
2: Yeah. And then they had those gold and silver shirts, which I pointed out a lot more in my blog, but we managed to go, somehow we'll go six episodes without mentioning here. Of course, then we get to see their not-so-secret handshake anymore. Yeah which was quite the choreographed routine. If only they did that elsewhere during the race.
0: If only they'd lost a foot race for first place because they were doing the secret handshake.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. At one point he says, we had two plans. Well, one plan was a fast forward and one plan was just doing the race. Not really, not really having two plans.
0: So, yeah. Have you got any more eulogy for them?
2: Uh, I guess the UHC for the past three eliminations. I mean, we lost three teams part of the Twin Hunt Alliance all in a row. Like that's the that's the other thing about this season is that the front runners at the beginning of the season, who just coasted, absolutely coasted through the first three legs, end up just getting knocked out one after the other in legs four, five, and six. It's a massive shift for the season. To go from like, hey, these were, these teams look like they were going to be unstoppable and constant frontrunners. Like, nope, now they're all gone. And the past two eliminations have been foregone conclusions. And four out of the six episodes this season have been absolute blowouts. The only two that have had any sort of suspense were Gene and Sylvia's elimination and then Heather and Eves. And that's only because we had everybody on the same train going into the final task.
0: So next time, in Germany, Flo sabotages Andre and Damon, Derek and Drew fight, and Ken and Gerard have a little accident in a car.
2: And it's definitely not a blowout for who gets eliminated next episode.
0: No, there's there's no subtlety in the next episode in terms of the elimination. However, it is a very fun episode.
2: I remember it being... Even the elimination actually has a fun twist to it at the end.
0: And more importantly, it is a leg that I have been to a lot of the locations for deliberately because i know you did the same thing with the uh, with the lisbon and porto bits of the portugal leg, but i have done a lot of the munich locations in this season including the fast forward location
1: mm.
2: yeah and this is going to be our last elimination before we have a very set crew of five teams to end end the season
0: god i love i love it when they start non-eliminating people in this season all three of those legs that are non-eliminations are just delightful episodes for many different reasons.
2: (laughs) I think out of all the seasons, I can't think of another season where I would ever say, I can't wait for the non-elimination legs.
0: I think the thing is, all three of the non-elimination legs are just complete and utter messes for the teams involved. (laughs) That it's just, it's absolute gold for us. There's no better way to put it. It's just, an absolute mess for certain teams in all three of those non-eliminations that just makes it really fun.
2: I have a question. If a team were were rested like Andre and Damon were today, do you think production would have given them a time credit? No. No?
0: No. I think what they would have done is made this leg a non-elimination. Yeah. And then found a way to make them catch up, but they can't really offer a time credit for for this sort of stuff because it's not fair to the other teams. Because they
2: could have just as... Like, it's surprising that between Lucy and Amelia and Andre and Damon that neither team gets eliminated after being detained.
0: Because the logic behind the fact that you don't get a time credit for when a vehicle breaks down is because it's inherently unfair to the other teams in the race if you then get a time credit.
2: Yeah, but being arrested is just such a... It's on a whole other level.
0: Yeah. It depends how long they would have got arrested for. If they'd got arrested for an hour or two, then they wouldn't have given them a time credit. They probably would have just made this an elimination episode. If they got arrested for the entire night and had to spend the night in the cells, I don't know how they'd handle it, honestly. But if it was just a couple of hours, they wouldn't have given them a time credit because they couldn't have. They would have just made sure the playing field was a bit more levelled. It maybe would have been a 15-hour pit stop rather than a 12-hour one.
2: Yeah, it just would have been strange just because of the fact that production had to intervene to get them out of jail. So it's like, well, if production had to intervene to get them out of prison. Then you think they would intervene in terms of when they depart for the next leg. It's just it's just odd that like there's oh, there's two set different sets of rules essentially. It's like yeah, production intervenes to make sure you're not in prison, but they can't intervene in terms of your pit stop placement, even though if production didn't intervene, then your real check-in time could have been a day or so later. So it's just that very murky gray area that I think there's there's a reason why we don't really see teams get arrested. I don't think anybody in the U.S. version gets uh, properly detained other than, I guess, well, like I said, Irwin and Godwin. We haven't seen another team get arrested now for 22 seasons. Yeah.
0: So have you guys got anything else you want to say? No, that's it.
2: Yeah, I think I'm good. We This is our shortest podcast all season.
0: It is. Which is manna from heaven for me, because I've got to edit them. Yeah. To be fair, I had my least amount of notes for this episode out of the season so far.
2: Yeah, Other than John Vito saying, oh, I was amused by how many times John Vito said we to different locals, especially the taxi driver. <laughs>
0: So, thank you for listening to our amazing race recap. We'll be back next week to recap episode number seven. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Log Michelle is three 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 three. three And I'm MJ Hamstone. Logan and I are also back every Wednesday for V's Tomorrow, Oregon. See you next week.
2: Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Bye.